Hey, good morning, Nashville. This is the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC, where we talk all things of real estate. Regardless of your first time home buyer or looking to move up or downsize or whatever you're looking to do, we talk all things real estate that you need to know the buy, sell, and refinance your home. I am your host, Michael Thayer with Waterstone Mortgage. I'm MLS licensed, and my license number is 173264. Joining me in studio today, we have Mr. GQ, Chris Corvo, who gets it closed from Midtown Title. Hey, good morning, Mr. Thayer. How you doing, man? Hey, I am fantastic today. Good. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And, of course, Dollar Dave that builds everything over to Capital Homes. <laughs> I don't think he likes that name very much. We need to just come up with something else. You can tell. To be honest, Dollar, no. Dollar Dave, but he knows, then he knows money. How, how about Diamond. I'm in Dave. Is that your stage uh, name? That may be a little much. We got to we have to come we have to come up with something better than that. He he's not feeling it. No, <laughs> I don't really. go back to the drawing board. Okay, you know, I, I I may be the only one to remember David Lee Roth, and it just kind of reminds me of that. Well, you know, there's some people just aren't nicknamed guys. Maybe you're one of them. I mean, there you go. De- demo Dave is fun. He loves demo. And demo, Dave. I do love the demo. <laughs> <laughs> that is some fun be, stuff. He could right be there. instead of Bob the Builder, he could be Dave the Builder. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a little over. Uh, I like de- I like demo Dave. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm knocking some stuff down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll try that again from the top. Do it we yourself, Dave, or something Dave. like that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I, my neighbor bought a old house. Yeah. Two years ago now. How old? Uh, probably 60 years old. Not right. old enough to be, you know, historic, but right. old enough to be a pain. Right. And, and uh, so he was talking to me about it, and, you know, he used somebody else, which is great. I'm really glad, to be honest. <laughs> and and uh, because he asked me what I thought he should do, and I said, um, you only really need one piece of equipment for that house. That's <laughs> <laughs> a D4 diesel. <laughs> and he, he sent me an email last week and said, I wish I had used that piece of equipment. <laughs> He's been, only been working on it for over a year now. Oh, oh my man. gosh. Yeah, poor guy. How do you, I mean, how do you, I mean, I guess it's kind of simple when you're looking at the scope of a project, but mm-hmm. how do you make the decision whether you need to just go in there and Literally, level it, start from scratch versus trying to save it. Because some things you don't even know about till you get in and start tearing it apart. Then you're just like, oh. It just depends on what you're trying to accomplish. I, I would I would say if you're going to build a brand new house, mm-hmm. your good contingency factor, your unknown expense factor, can be as reasonably low, reasonably low as 2 or 3%. Okay. Okay. If you are remodeling and you're doing a major remodel, your contingency factor better be around 15 to 20 percent. Wow. And so if it was me, I would say that the, the, um, uh, the risk rate is around 10 percent. I'm not okay. trying to sound too accountant-y yeah. or actuary. Um, so I would say if you take and you do the math and the remodel – is going to cost you within 25% of tearing it down and rebuilding, You, if you don't have an emotional attachment or historical significance to the house, break, out the, break it down and go over. Because yeah. you, you're going to end up with a significantly better product. It's not just a function of money. It's a significantly better product. And that's the other thing that people 
get tied up in knots about. You know, I, somebody said something to me, you know, it's kind of an old thing. I think we've even said it on the show, you know, about how, oh, they don't build houses the way they used to. And right. my dad used to say to me, thank God, no. Because <laughs> they're a lot better today than they used to be. And people, oh, you see these houses that have lasted 100 years, but you don't see the other thousand that got built that exact same year. Mm-hmm. You know, and in 1917, Thousands of houses were built, and one of them is still here. Right, right. That's you know that's an indication of how bad the other 999 were. You yeah. know, and you know the life expectancy of a house that's not remodeled and updated is a 33 years, according to the IRS. 33 years. Yeah, IRS. You buy a house, you subtract the land, and you mm-hmm. depreciate it over 33 years until it's all gone. If you're renting it out. Right. And that's if you don't do anything to it, that's about right. 33 years. So you if you don't planning on really redoing the mechanical systems after 33 years, somewhere in that time frame, you're really kidding yourself. So anyway. That's yeah, we got about eight years out of our AC <laughs> unit and uh, yeah. hot water heater or whatever, you know, because it just yeah. it just was not if it just wasn't right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and, and your roof is going to go. And then after, you know, think about the kitchens they were putting in 33 years ago. Oh, man. You know, you you would want to gut it and redo it, right? Yeah. How many lead pipes are in those houses? I was just about to say all the cast uh, 33 iron. years ago, not so much. Really? we got to get 50 years before you get to the lead pipes. Gotcha. And the, and the cast iron and stuff like that, yeah. Well, even insulation's better I mean, nowadays. But back in the, the 80s, I mean, I, I hate to admit that <laughs> I've been in the business about that long. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Ooh, Nothing boy. wrong with that. Come on, think of it. Wow. You should go visit the neighborhood of your first homes and see if they're still standing. Um. I should. I, you know, I I didn't build them. I worked for Ryland Homes, but oh. I, I should. I should go. Boy, you know, I remember I, those houses. This was a really really nice neighborhood, and it was about a half acre lots. And they I sold those houses from two to two twenty five to two fifty somewhere in that price range. I wow. bet they're seven fifty to a million dollars yeah. now. Where they knowing the location in town where they are at, right outside of D.C., they're probably seven fifty to a million dollars right now. Wow. Yeah. Good times. Go back down history lane there, memory lane. Yeah, it is funny because you know working for Ryland as long as I did, when I go back and I go visit some friends of mine because Ryland was the biggest home builder in the DC area for okay. years, and every now and then I'll go into somebody's house and I know exactly where everything is, and they're like, "This is your first time at my home. How do you? Why do you know where everything is?" It's like I sold. <laughs> Sold this house twenty times. I know. I know it better than you do. Trust me. I can walk around blindfolded. That's really funny. There's a plumbing stack right there. No, I, like psychic man. Uh, yeah, really. Well, hey, let's jump into this week's show. If you missed last week's show, you missed Mr. Ben Rose from the Ben Rose uh, firm, and uh, he does all sorts of. Um, Legal legal topics and stuff from protecting you with real estate if you've got any kind of investments and stuff like that. So he's an outstanding guy. Go out and see, or go out and obtain all of his contact information on our online at uh, moneymanmike.net or on Facebook at moneymanmike radio. And as far as this week's show, we're going to get into it after the break. We're going to talk about uh, the spring buyers and the home seller guides. We're going to get into why rates continue to move up, and we're going to talk about mortgage rates, the impacts that they have on the 2017 home values, and how increasing rates are decreasing your purchasing power. So come back and join us. We'll get into all that. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back.
Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show, where we talk all things of real estate. And during the break, we were talking a little bit between us, and JT had a question for David as just a generic builder question. So we wanted to put it out here on the air for you. So, Jimmy. I mean, and, and before he asked the question, I, uh-huh. want, I want everybody to know he would not, I begged him, would not tell me this yes. question in advance. So if I sound like an idiot, that's because. Sounds like he's setting you up for embarrassment, man. Go ahead. Man, no, it ain't nothing like that. You guys look <laughs> way too far into it. I'm about keeping it real on the radio. Okay, all right. And if I ask you ahead of time. Real humbling? No, it's just, you're going to have a premeditated answer and it's going to be boring. Uh-huh. Okay? Boring canned all right. answer. All right. Exactly. All right. So. You build new homes, uh-huh. and let's say you you know you have a from the very beginning you have a plot of land. You don't even have a roads built yet, right? Is that how okay. that happens sometimes, kid? Uh, if you're talking about turning a a farm, let's say into a subdivision, yes, uh, that is a developer's uh, job. And I'm a home builder. I buy finished okay. lots and put houses on. It. But go ahead. All right. So anyway, you know you're going to get the permits and you're going to build the mm-hmm. streets, and then at some point you start developing the lots and mm-hmm. what have you. Um, who gets to decide the names of the streets? Oh, the developer does. Now, the developer can't reuse a name in a municipality. So if there's already a Jones Street, for example, he can't make it Jones Street because there's already one in that municipality. So the 911 services wouldn't know which Jones Street to go to. That makes sense. But, the, yeah, the developer, who's not the builder, but the developer, I, I've seen neighborhoods where it's named after all the grandkids and uh-huh. employees. Like, or, you know, and, and, and having, yeah, or employees, and having had to do that before, what you try to do is you try to come up with a theme. You know, you come up with Indian tribes, you come mm-hmm. up with trees, or you, you're a Star Trek fan, and you or come up with- Or winning yeah. horses, like Secretariat. That'd yeah. be like the upscale neighborhoods. I've yeah. seen that. Yeah, yeah. That's, and that's, that's, so the developer does come up with those names and- and uh, sometimes they're entertaining, and sometimes they're just really boring. I can think of several very entertaining street names in Nashville <laughs> that I, I, we'll say off air. But um, well, just tell us the neighborhood. You know, we'll we'll drop by. Well, it's a street name. You can say a street name well, on the air, right? There's one in Lebanon. Tater Peeler Road. Well, I know where Tater Peeler is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's actually a lot of commercial property. I've closed several properties on Tater Peeler Tater Road. Peeler. Are you guys familiar with Ashland City? Sure. A little bit. The main, one of the main roads is Bearwall. One more time. Bear Wallow Road. Like a bear, bear wallow. wallows. A bear wallow road. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, there's some I see all kinds of strange street names out there. Uh I'm telling you, it's just some of these you're looking at and you're going, Are you kidding me? Yeah. And so, uh, I, I had a developer who was gonna says he was gonna name a street terrapin drive for me because I'm a red you know, I'm a uh, the Maryland. terrapin, Maryland Terrapin. And and then I guess he got mad at me because he changed his mind and <laughs> called it something else. I think eventually, I mean it, it would like now it would be hard to come up with Unique. Genuine. Well, that's why some of them get really, really strange that you see on uh, that you see in some of these new developments. You know, and you see the loan application, so you're yeah. writing these street names down, and you're going, "Man, where did that come from?" Because yeah. they're trying to come up with something. My favorite part is when a when a street is straddles two or three sections, and the street name gets spelled two or three different ways on yeah. each recorded plat. That is um, in Brentwood. In Fountainbrook, there is uh, the road is three different ways. The post office, the Platte, and nine one one. Yeah, I'll have it three different ways. Oh, it's and, it make uh, you crazy. And so there's and so everybody just gets all mad because they they can't get it. They can't get the name of the road right. <laughs> but it's three different ways. And the other one, and just just to wrap this up, and then I, I do have a tip of the week for everybody. But to wrap this up, the other one, Jimmy, do you know how they decide on a corner home site which address to use? No, I do not ooh, know. Ooh, ooh, I do, I do. Tell us, Chris. 
I'm probably going to be wrong. I think I have an idea. In Davidson County in specifics. Go ahead. What do you think? No, I don't. I just know that's determined by where the driveway and the mailbox goes. Yeah. Ah, what if the mailbox is on one street and the driveway's on the other? Mm-hmm. The which way the door faces. It's yeah. never It's never which way the door faces. The front door. In any municipality, I've never seen it be the which way the door faces. What's the tiebreaker then? It's, get- it's either In Davidson County, it's where the mailbox is. Doesn't matter where the driveway is, doesn't matter where the front door is, and it matters where the mailbox is. So if the mailbox is on one street and the driveway comes off the other street, it's where the mailbox is. I always know they're confusing. It was like, which which address do we use? I know. Now, I've seen them before where the mailbox would be on the wrong street. If you go to the tax records uh, at that point in time, the tax records will have a different address than what you use for a mailing address. Wow. Yes. Mm. It's not uncommon that we'll see properties uh, <laughs> with, we'll get the address on the contract and we won't be able to find it anywhere in the records and because it goes by another address. Now, you really want to get confusing on that? Some of these neighborhoods nowadays um, are in multiple counties and two counties. Yes. Uh, and so the county line will run right through the middle of them. And depending on where you're standing at, it's what county that's in. And there's several in Hendersonville I work in that actually have Gallatin mailing addresses, but the taxes are in the city of Hendersonville. Almost every house on the south side of Old Hickory Boulevard from Franklin Road out to 100 is like that. Yes. Almost every single one of them. Really? On the south side of the road. Yeah, there's parts yeah. of Nashville that are in Williamson County, and there's parts of Brentwood that are in Davidson County. Okay, I've got an example that'll confuse you. Okay. I have a cousin that lives right near the Millersville city limits, all yep. right? Yeah. She's got a White House prefix on her phone Yep. and a Goodlettsville address. Yeah. yeah that's because the post office runs out of Goodlettsville, and so that's what determines that. And Millersville does not have a post office, so that's why the mail will not will always run through uh, Goodlettsville, even though it's White House. <laughs> it's like identity crisis, maybe. So, so Jimmy, you bring up an excellent point. People conflate all the time what their mailing address is with where they live. For example, I have a Franklin mailing address, but I do not live in the city limits of Franklin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually surprised me about your address. Yes. I, I was expecting it to be much further, and I was like, what? It's right here? There are lots of people, including someone I'm related to, who have a Brentwood mailing address but they live in davidson county yeah and and this is how confusing it is for some people the person that i know is the only person in his neighborhood with williamson county tags everybody else has got davidson county tags the person (laughs) at the dmv said oh no you're in brentwood you must be in williamson county and the guy i know i'm I'm in davidson no no you have brentwood address you must be in williamson county and gave him williamson county tags (laughs) probably saved him some money only person in the neighborhood that's got them and that's where David lives. There's part of that uh, Nashville area that's in Williamson County. And there's some lots on Old Hickory in Brentwood itself that the uh, that we've done closings on, that they've mm-hmm. done new builds on recently, where the front half of the lot's in Davidson County, the second yeah. half of the lot's in Williamson. And they, first of all, they want to fight over to schools because schools are yeah. schools drive property, so they all want to be in, a, be in the scales. But all the water and all the utilities and the taxes are coming out of Davidson County, so that's kind of determining where they go. So... It, then they try to position the house in enough to be more in one neighborhood or the other to there, make that happen. There, there was a whole town on the Canadian, was it Ohio? No, somewhere, somewhere I can't remember if it was New York or whatever, somewhere in the U.S. and Canadian border where there were buildings that straddled the line. Oh, wow. And after 9-11 when they put up the big walls and all the big border and all that, you know, they were making sure and sealing off the, they had to literally brick through the center of some of the buildings, some of the commercial buildings. That is funny. I've never heard that. You could walk, you, it used to be before 9-11, you could walk in One the side. U.S. side and out the Canadian side. And now they 
bricked it up. So you can't it's you insane. can't get through the story. You can't can't get through and go to the other side to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but that actually brings up a good point about uh, addresses. You know, in our world, we don't in the title world we don't use addresses. I mean, it just yeah. addresses are uninsurable. They change. They 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 may not be right. So if we've done a deed or title searching or whatever document we're using, uh, the address is pointless. I can prepare any closing document I need, deed, mortgage, whatever it is, and file it with no address on it, and, and it doesn't matter because. Mm-hmm. We don't care what the address is. It could change. How many Old Hickory Boulevards are in Nashville? Well, they're old places. Uh, there are, there's a hundred of them. So if I'm saying, hey, you got a property on Old Hickory Boulevard, what good does that do? Yeah. And uh, Or street names change over time. Sometimes roads get renamed or whatever. So that's why the legal description is, is, what, is what supersedes anything we do is because you'll always own that plot of land, uh, even though the address right. may change. So, yeah, I don't really care what the address is to the property. I care what lot number it is right? or, or, or what the dimensions are, but... I, I could care less what that you know what it is. It just has no bearing on what I do. Yeah, and makes I, total I, sense. I get warranty calls, and I'm like, I, I, don't tell me your address. Tell me what line number you are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll do you, the uh, the tip of the week when we come back, Mike. Yeah, we'll jump into the uh, spring and uh, spring buyers and sellers guides and get into the rest of the show. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show. We talk all things real estate. And we're going to jump into a couple quick tips of the week. And Mr. Chris Corbeau from Midtown Title has one for you guys. Yeah, uh, trying to make this as quick as I can. So, uh, you know, people always want to know why you should go see people that actually know what they're doing in this business. Uh, we had a contract come in the other day, and for folks who don't know, like in downtown Nashville, the infill builders, they're they're buying lots and splitting them in half and building two houses. And yeah. sometimes it's just an oversized lot, and they're keeping the old house on one and splitting off maybe the side yard or whatever, and they're going to build houses on that. So right. a contract came in, an investor client of mine came in, and he says, yeah, I'm going to buy uh, the 100-foot side yard of this piece of property. The, the house is 150, the yard's 150 feet wide, and I'm buying the 100 foot. I'm going to put two lots there. We're going to leave the house on 50 acres and I mean 50 foot, a 50 foot wide lot. Okay, no problem. Do the title search, get it back in. My searcher calls me and says, hey, there's a major, major, <laughs> major, major problem here. I said, what's, what's wrong? He's like, well, the seller you said who owns the 150 foot, doesn't she only owns the 50 foot? What? And I said, uh, okay. I said, well, get what you got, send it over to me. We'll kind of go from there. And come to find out that the, um, Two owners prior, the gentleman who owned, it was basically three lots, three 50-foot lots that made up to 150, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the gentleman lost it at foreclosure. But when you look at the deeds, because the guy got it in three separate deeds, the only property he pledged for collateral for the mortgage was the house in the 50-foot lot. And that's what got foreclosed on, and the bank sold the 50-foot, uh, the house, and uh, and, wow. and sold and sold 50-foot. But this lady... Um, when you walk up to the house, it looks like it's all, it's all, you know, the house and the lots fenced in and everything right. else in there. Uh, but uh, she, uh, but the title of that property never conveyed because the only thing the bank foreclosed on was what the guy pledged for collateral on the mortgage, which was the 50 foot portion oh, and not the lot. So this lady had this piece of property sold for 150 grand or whatever it was and uh, didn't w- own it. was going to pay her house off and go. And she did not own that. And her question to me was, well, how, you know, how did I know I didn't own that? 
and uh, she goes because uh, and need to make it even more confusing. The the gentleman who owned it in the late uh, late nineties he combined all three parcels for tax purposes, but not the deeds. So what that means is you if you have ten parcels, you could change it and just where you're just paying taxes on one parcel, even though it's the same. So right. instead of writing ten checks, you're writing one check for all ten parcels, and that's what the guy did. And so she said when she had asked her her real estate agent about it, the agent said, "Well, it's all underneath one tax parcel, so you must own it all." And so she didn't ask any other questions and. So I said, well, that's not what your deed says that you got. And she says, well, who looks at the deed? So the moral of the story is is that you can't just assume you own something, okay? I mean, you go to these, especially these older neighborhoods in Nashville, and the tree lines are growing up, and the yeah. fence lines are there, and it looks like you it, it looks like you own it. In this case, there's a fence around it. Right. Uh, but And so she assumed that's what she owned, and she's been paying taxes on it and done everything for the last, uh, last seven years. So who owns wow. it? Wow. Uh, the gentleman who never lost it at foreclosure. Wow, and, and Christmas for him. He doesn't. He didn't. Doesn't know it. He may know it at this point in time that he still owns that lot now. But he does. And and you know when it, people say, "Well, I've been paying taxes on it. Can I claim adverse possession?" Which is where they would claim that they have a right to it. But adverse possession doesn't start till, till year twenty. So uh, you can't. You can't do that. And uh, so, anyways, if you don't don't assume you own it, if you look at it, it may look like you own it, but you can't assume that. The number one thing you should do is get a survey done. Uh, people don't like paying for surveys. We used to do them all the time, uh, but at this point in time, it would have been very beneficial to her. Several and, thousand dollars worth savings beneficial. And then, secondly, <laughs> she got bad advice from her agent. Instead yeah. of asking the title professional who handled it, I don't know if they could have answered the question, but at the end of the day. Uh, you should know what you're buying. So if somebody asked me that, I would sit down with the deeds, sit down with the plat maps. But a mortgage survey would have solved that too. But a mortgage survey would have solved that, solved that right out the gate because they would have looked at the deed and read the description, which was not a which was not a lot number, a full lot number. It was, you know, 50 foot of this lot this way, 150 foot this way, 50 foot that way. So what it what what it should have said well she thought it would have said would have been one fifty by one fifty by one fifty, sure. yeah. but the average person doesn't know to look at that stuff. No, you don't know. What uh, you don't know. But if there's ever any question about that, don't depend on the realtor to tell you what it is. Don't depend on nobody she else but the surveyor or the uh, title agent because this lady uh, lost out on one hundred and fifty thousand dollars she thought was going to pay her house off, and at the end of the day, she doesn't even own it. Cheap wow. is expensive. Wow. Yeah. Anyways, that was a long tip to tell you. Well, my tip of the week is not nearly as exciting as yours. Follow that up then. Go All ahead. right. Well, but you can go to my Facebook page, Capital Homes uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, to find this. When you use your garbage disposal, I'm I think this is so kind of routine. Yeah. That I wouldn't even think to use this as a tip of the week, but I guess some people don't know. Run cold water before you turn on your garbage disposal, even if the water's backing up a little bit. Because the water is to cool the engine. And if you're not running water through the garbage disposal, when you're running, the, you know, putting water right. through the garbage disposal at the same time, the, the motor overheats and freezes up and it's ruined. So run water through your garbage disposal. An oh, additional water. tip, cold water doesn't really matter as long as you're running water through it. Okay. The other thing is if your garbage disposal starts to smell a little funky. Which, which they tend to do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ice cubes are great. Ice cubes, a couple slices of lemon, run that through the garbage disposal. It will clean out the gunk. It kind of knocks all the gunk off the sidewalls and so forth. It kind of helps with the lubrication as well. It just kind of sharpens the blades a little bit. And so ice cubes is a great way to maintain your garbage disposal. Also, like if, lemon wedges? Yeah, if you just put some lemon down there, it helps it smell a little prettier. Where's the lemon go? Down the drain? It gets yeah, chopped up. Right down in the garbage disposal. I think the acid yeah. of the lemon would help. 
yeah, eat bacteria yeah. and everything. Yeah, it's like a little lemon pledge down there. Okay. Smells pretty. Okay. <laughs> Try that when I get home. I'm going to save the other tip for next week. Okay. I got another one for next week. It's well, really I didn't mean to take all your time there. No, no, no. If you, But if you ever, you know, have knocked a light bulb off and you can't get it out, I got a way to help you get that out. Oh, interesting. We'll do that next week, though. If I, like, break it? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, when you break the light bulb. And it's just got the um, the yeah, base in it still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not sticking your finger in there probably is the smart thing, though. Yeah, that's, that would not be the thing to do. I okay. so know the answer to this one, but I'm not going to say anything. You're the okay. you're the man. I appreciate that. I, I, I have handled this a couple times, and I'm curious if I handled it the right way or the wrong way. Did you way shove now. metal pliers into it? After I turned the power off. Yeah, you know what? I did that before not knowing at my micro. Oh, man. I'm telling you, I thank goodness there was uh, uh, plaster or rubber on the handles. I thought it, but, uh, the bulb on my microwave went out. <laughs> and I thought the base was stuck in it. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to get it out of there. I stuck those needle nose pliers up there. While it's still plugged in? Yes. That's wow. <laughs> It threw my arm back like you wouldn't believe, and it sparked. And I ain't gonna tell you what I even said. So uh, bleep, bleep, but uh, it's, Chris was doing the funny dance. It scared me to. I mean, thank goodness those the pliers I had on had the uh, had the handles on there. Ooh. Oh my gosh, man! I wake I went, you up in the morning, dude. I was young. I can't remember how young I was, but probably still grade school. And for some odd reason, I summer and we had a extension uh, extension line out, and I went to grab it. Ouch. For some odd reason, I grabbed the actual plug. Yeah. And man, it. And took, your hand was wet, and boom. Yeah, it took me a second, but I mean, I finally realized what in the world was going on, and it shut that thing down. I don't know what I said, but <laughs> never done that again. I bet. I Felt bet. a little bit funny after that, but that's beside the point. So spring's upon us, isn't it? Spring is upon us, and if you guys go out to the website, moneymanmike.net, you will see the new spring buyers and sellers home guides. And these things I just absolutely love because they're quarterly updates that we put out there. And it has all sorts of key topics and hot information that you need to know about for the upcoming weeks, along with things that have happened in the past. So that, hey, why are, you know, why are all you guys, as far as Dave, Andrea, Chris, and everybody else saying this about the market, where we get in our year-over-year numbers, what's the appreciation, all that stuff's in there. It's all summarized in there for specifically if you're buying or if you're selling. So go check them out on the website again at moneymanmike.net. JT, cutie music. Where we're moving on. The good old Jeffersons. Hey, we're going to talk about why rates continue to move up. So when we get back from this break, we're going to get into why rates move up, where do rates actually come from, and give you guys a quick insight on that. So, so we're not talking about selling a dry clean or having a dry cleaner moving to the penthouse. No, no. Talking about mortgage rates moving up. Talking about mortgage rates, baby. Gotcha. Hey, you've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show. We got to jump out to a little quick break, and we'll be right back. This is News Radio 1510 WLAC. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC, where you are listening to the Money Man Mike Show, and this morning. 
special tribute out to the Jeffersons. And JT, you have a question or you have a... I just uh, can't get enough of the Jeffersons, man. man this is a great awesome, song. Man. Okay, now here's my trivia question. Do you guys, any of you know who the singer is on this song? Oh, I'm out. Oh, I'm my out gosh. Close. Get the Google out real quick. All right, you just... No, you don't oh, know. Okay. Hold on. Who's the singer? Yeah. She's also an actress. I have no idea. No. Is it is it Florence the Maid? No. She's actually on Good Times. The oh. mom? Walona. Really? Now listen to it now. You can hear her voice. It sounds just like Absolutely. her speaking voice. Absolutely. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah. She also sang the uh, Good Times theme. Yes. Well, gotcha. that was the same producer, right? I would imagine so, yeah. It was all the, uh, they were all produced by the same guy. Oh yeah, it had to be because they were all uh, spinoffs of. Uh, I'm trying to think of the guys. All the family, Norman right. Lear. Norman Lear. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Good thing this is a real estate show and not a trivia show. <laughs> We'd well. all be dead. <laughs> Wrong. So what's going up? Not n- not people moving up, right? Some of the unfortunately, up. well, people are still moving up, man. But, gotcha. Um, rates rates are moving up, and if you haven't been paying attention, it's. It's been kind of a volatile situation, so we're going to do a little quick edumacation, if you will, on rates. And what we're going to put out on the website is you'll see two screenshots out there of what is the mortgage bond page. And what a lot of people don't realize is that mortgage bonds dictate rates. So they always ask, customers always ask, well, what what makes rates move? Where do rates come from? And these two screenshots are going to show you. Because just like you see in your stocks, uh, your 401ks, your retirement accounts, it goes up and down based on how Wall Street's performing. Mortgage bonds are the same thing that dictates the rates that we see. So people ask, do rates really change from day to day or throughout the day? And the answer is hour absolutely yes. Hour to hour. Hours to hour. And in fact, Freddie Mac, which is one of the main uh, uh, quasi-government agencies, that provide conventional finance and they provide live pricing. So, I mean, it's whatever the market's doing, boom, they're constantly updating it where everybody else issues the uh, pricing in the morning and then they adjust it accordingly throughout the day based on the way the market's performing. But in the first screenshot you see is a six month and you can look down at the bottom, you can see October, November, December, all the way up through uh, March. But basically what you wanna really look at is see on the left side of this chart, how it's all the way up at the top, all the little green and red uh, markers. Red basically indicates a bad day where the bonds lost uh, yield, they lost ground. And as they lose yield and they turn red, it forces the interest rates up that we see every day. And then green is the exact opposite. When we see green, bonds are improving, they're increasing their yield, and they push the rates that we see down. So everyone's talking about all the historical rates and everything else. That's what you see back here in October leading up to November, and then what happened in the middle or the first part of November? Uh, they, the uh, Fed decided, you know, was telegraphing pretty much that they're going to continue to raise rates. Well, that's that was another reason. Yeah. What other big event happened in November? Election? Oh, the election. election. Yeah. Remember when everyone was hearing all the crazy, the stock markets crashing, the 700, 800 points, and all the world markets were dropping? Mm-hmm. The bonds basically responded the same way, and you can just see that cliff they just fell off of. And they tried to rebound, and ever since uh, the first of the year, they've been significantly lower. So when clients were receiving pricing at, you know, let's say three and a half for a thirty-year fix back in October, they've been shopping around, finally get a contract. But now rates are yeah. four and a half, 
4.75. And I, this is why. I, I think one of the most significant things that we've seen in the last 10 days was, I think it was a week ago, Tuesday, uh, uh, Chairman um, Yellen yeah. was on. Yeah. And she all but said there is going to be three rate hikes between now yep. and June. Yep. And March is next. So yep. March, April, May, June. There's only four opportunities to raise rates. And she said there's going to be three between now and June, pretty much signaling a quarter point raise every month for the yep. next three months. And the bonds did nothing. Mm. And that really is the it, it's it, to say the bonds did nothing that's significant seems like an oxymoron, but it's huge because what that means is the mortgage rates have already priced in the first increase. Mm -hmm. They are. There's not even a question: Is the Fed going to raise rates in March? They know they're going to. It's. It, I think it's right now at a ninety percent probability. So it, it, there's. I, I think there's some comfort for people who are looking to buy a home or are building a home with me, for example, in the idea that the bond market, the mortgage market, has already priced in the first round of Fed increases. Yeah. Um, th this the the yield curve has not gone inverted yet, which I think is good, mm -hmm. uh, because usually an inverted yield curve predicts a recession coming, and so there is a belief that the economy is going to keep rolling along very comfortably. Yeah, at, even though the rates are going up on the short term. Yeah, I mean it's healthy for them to go up at the same time, and you know people. You know, case in point, the second chart, it's a two-year. Well, why do you think it's healthy for them to go go up to do that? Because, you know, people think, well, that makes no sense, you know? I mean, it should be the lowest rate possible to do that. So why, why in your opinion, do you think it's healthy that the, that the, that the bonds rates go up? You can't keep the margin, all this stuff, suppressed so far. And on top of that, if they don't realize the government is coming in and buying a bunch of these bonds and artificially keeping them low – there's all this, you know. There's the trying to get the. Um, well, who typically markets? buys bonds? Everybody knows. I mean, most. I think a lot of people. Well, I don't know if they understand that or not. That the government for the last several years has been out buying right, the yeah. bonds to keep the rates low. But who typically would buy a bond at that point in time? It's everybody. I mean, you look at your own four hundred one k. I mean, you'll see Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, FHA stuff in there. You'll see foreign investors that come in and participate in our market. And right now, or what has been happening is the government's been propping it up because just the yields and everything else for the time being, and to keep the rates low. Now, qu now quantitative easing has been over for a little while, in terms yeah. of, and then and 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 that this is one thing I don't, I, I hate to correct you, but one of the things to to understand is when the Federal Reserve was buying bonds, that was not the government buying bonds. That was a Federal Reserve buying correct. bonds, correct. and there are, there are quasi government agency chartered by the government. But the government wasn't buying bonds. Government issues bonds, but the Fed was buying the bonds. But they've stopped doing that some time ago. But to answer your question, the the, the biggest buyer of bonds right now is pension funds. Okay. So they were a big buyer of bonds. But then there's also a lot of foreign money coming in because the belief that the U.S. currency is more stable than their own currency. So for the average person, your retirement or your 401k that's out buying mortgage-backed bonds, as long as the mortgages are producing uh, your bonds, your your retirement's continuing to do well, um, and if they start failing and people stop stop making payments and loans default at yeah. that point in time is when your 401k starts taking the hit yeah. like it did yeah. um, and starts going down at that point in time. So it's important to understand the difference of why. So I think I think the answer to your question, you know, why would 
ultra low rates not necessarily be good for all parties concerned, which is, I think, the better way to kind of think about it, is it's terrible for savers. That's why your savings account at the yeah. bank is a half a point, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're if you're approaching retirement or you're a retired person and you and you want to try to get some kind of stable, secure income by not buying Apple, which is, you know, I'm, Apple's a great company to yeah. buy, but if you want to get some dividend yields, but not really dividend, but it's interest yield and interest rates are zero percent, you're getting nothing. I mean, there was a time just recently the if you had a savings account, it was paying 005 percent. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, you know, who even cares about that? And so the days of people going to do CDs or yeah. whatever—that's why the savings rates are low, and the and the that's people right. aren't doing the CDs because there's zero to no return mm-hmm. on these, other than it's just cash you're sitting on. And so then the thing that Alan Greenspan talked about after the crash—the thing that he didn't anticipate, but the thing that he was concerned about—you might remember the old phrase, irrational exuberance was by having the rates be as low as they are, are investors flocking to less secure investments because they're not making any return on their secure investments, therefore creating a bubble, and all bubbles burst eventually. There's no way to let air out of a bubble. It either inflates or it bursts. And so unusually low, the people who are hawkish, uh, guys like uh, Chairman Fisher and stuff like that, who are really concerned about how long the rates have been low, this low, that's their primary concern is what's the bubble that we're creating? Where are we pushing the air by not allowing people to save in bonds because the, the Fed funds rate is too low? So although people may think it hurts them from a purchasing standpoint, but from an overall health of our economy, uh, they have to be higher than they are, correct, uh, to make sure that all the other parts mm-hmm. of our economy are are staying healthy and growing at that point in time or staying stable. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, to, to sound like a lawyer, to use our old lawyer's phrase, it depends. Uh, you know, it depends on the time. It depends, you know, if the if the economy is at 6 or 8% unemployment, then you probably want to stimulate. You want low interest rates, and you're going to trade the health of the saver for the stimulation of the economy. I think the Fed has, personally, I'm hawkish. I think the Fed has acted too late. I think they've acted about a year and a half too late, and they should have raised rates a year and a half ago. That's me personally. Um, but obviously, I'm not in charge of that. So, <laughs> Now, I appreciate you, you bringing that to my point there. I mean, bringing that to my attention with the quantitative ease, and you're right, that's over. I don't know why I was saying buying, but the selling. Yeah. Because the U.S. government bought so many bonds now you don't you can't just go out and flood the market either because yeah. you go out there and flood the market you get poor performance and it just drives it down even worse. And, and not to get too far in the weeds, but that's why people like uh, Rand Paul want the Fed to be audited because we have no idea if they've started selling those bonds yet. Not to the tune of it's, how many they bought. It's com- it, well, it's completely opaque. We have no idea. There's no there's no transparency at all as to when or if they've started selling those bonds back. And who bought them? Well, the Fed bought them, yeah, but, but, but the Fed, yeah, yeah. Who, who's buying them from exactly. the Fed? Right. Exactly. Yeah, we, there's no transparency on that. Yeah. Well, we've got to run. JT is kicking us out of here. He said our time is over. But hey, if you missed anything on today's show, check out the moneymanmike.net or on Facebook at moneymanmikeradio. You get uh, all the videos and stuff from the past, as well as all the contact information from for Chris, Dave, Andrew, and everybody else. Hey, you guys have a great day. We're out. Mm-hmm.